This is a podcast from The Red House, the former home of Benjamin Britten and Peter Pears. I'm Lucy Walker. Join me, colleagues and other guests for a monthly chat about all things Britain and Peers, plus music, culture, heritage in general and anything else that might come up. Welcome to the From the Red House podcast. Um, I'm as normal these days talking from my house in Suffolk and I'm delighted to welcome today guitarist Sean Shebe. And Sean, where are you talking from? I'm talking from my parents' house in Edinburgh. Very nice. What's the weather doing up there today? Um, I'd be able to tell you if it wasn't so completely black outside. Um, I think it's windy and I think it's rainy, but I have uh, not been out of the house for a couple of days. I'm in a sort of uh, isolation. Um, I got back from Germany a couple of days ago and I'm preparing for a recording in a week's time. Well, I think windy and rainy in Edinburgh is a good bet. Um, I would say. So yes, we're in strange times again. So it's 3rd of November today. We're about to go into another lockdown. Um, But perhaps we could touch on that or we might talk about slightly more fun things. (laughs) Um, One of which um, is congratulations on your recent RPS nomination, which is an award you've won before. Thank you. Um, So I think I won the 2017 Young Artists and now I'm shortlisted uh, for the second time in the Instrumentalist category. Congratulations, that's great. So you're no, does that mean you're no longer a young artist? <laughs> oh, it's one of those weird things, isn't it? You're sort of a young artist until you're like a mature something or other. I, I read a, a program the other day, which was really funny. It described the singer as, uh, you know, a new voice and this kind of thing. Um, and then the pianist as the mature, you know, uh, giant. And, and then I checked their ages and the singer was older than the pianist, which sort of sums up my views on that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting yes I'm sure that happens yeah it's sometimes these people sort of emerging artists do you think I've, I've, this person's been around for years how, how are they still emerging right. yeah indeed but um, no it's, it's absolutely great and also you've you've been managing to do some live performances as well um, I've seen at the the Wigmore and also at the recently at the Oxford Leader recital series as well has that been what was that like to get back to performing after after all this yeah, amazing. It's uh, it's such a gift. I mean, I you know, I, I do have mixed feelings about all of it being recorded and that sort of thing. But I, I do actually enjoy the the on stage uh, solitude as well. It's it's quite um, touching and poignant to um, be playing to a, a hall that is empty. Uh, and in the case of Oxford Leader, we were able to perform in a venue that normally would hold maybe you know. I think actually this particular venue in Oxford Leader was only able to hold like six people. Um, so it's actually perfect for something that is purely um, film. And uh, unfortunately, the acoustics were amazing. So it really is one of those things where you're like experiencing something that uh, very few people would have experienced otherwise. That's extraordinary. So I didn't realise that. It was a beautiful concert that you did uh, with Lottie Betts-Dean. You, um, obviously, the Wigmore Hall is much, much larger, but you quite often include... Um, some of your electric, obviously amplified repertoire in that venue as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I wanted to ask you about the, the combination, the fact that your career covers both of those repertoires. But just just briefly, perhaps you could say how you uh, how you got started and what your what your background is. Uh, with the uh, coming to music altogether, you mean? Yes. Um, my mother walked past a, an instrument shop, and um, there was a guitar in the window. And on the same day, uh, a letter was sent home asking if 
the the kids wanted to join a, a sort of music club um and it was you know there was a violin club and a viola club and cello club and a guitar club so she said like do you want to do that and i said yeah and um sort of escalated since then um <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yes, I, I mean, there's so. no great, there's no great story of like being super inspired by like the Beatles or Segovia or something, right? It's just really uh, serendipity. Okay. Yeah. So, but it suited. You obviously took took to it uh, rather than just ditching it after a week. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, there were there were pretty there were ups and downs, right? Mm. And and I think there were points where I was really thinking, you know, like is is music really what I want to do? But I, I realized that, you know, there there are eventually there are gifts that the guitar has to offer the world that other instruments don't have i mean of course there are great deficits as well and we we don't really have um a huge weight of a really great first-rate repertoire um although we have like you know a lot of a lot of decent um stuff uh so we have deficit there deficit of um projection and volume sustain and this sort of thing um but um i think what we do have that i've found more and more comforting is is uh, a huge amount of color um, mm. in in the palette that we can bring across and that is um, or it can make uh, music that otherwise is, is quite dull a little bit more exciting mm-hmm. mm. and you you bring variety to your own choices by playing electric instruments by playing the lute as well as well as classical guitar so you you're quite often experimenting and pushing pushing boundaries within what's possible I mean, I, I think, as as I probably made clear, I mean, I think a lot of the guitar rep that is played most often is perhaps like the least interesting, um, like for me to explore. Like, uh-huh. you, you know how we're, we're prone to exploring a lot of Spanish stuff and um, it tends to be a lot of like 19th century romantic miniature, a lot of which is, is fine, but it's just something that doesn't speak to me right now or, or, or something. So um, I've tried to... Uh, program in a way that that I think is engaging, and and that doesn't mean simply avoiding this repertoire. That like, okay, we've established I don't like it, or or playing in the way that you know I feel lonely. I can play. It's also about re- creating some kind of recital long um, sculpture that ideally, in some way, sums up some reaction to contemporary life. So mm-hmm. that means that sometimes people need to be uh, blasted by something controversial and maybe even inflammatory, but other times they need to be uh, soothed. And both of these are important as mm. the, the other, right? Disturbing the comfortable and comforting the disturbed. And I guess I guess I think of these different instruments as leaning perhaps more towards one than the other, although um, admittedly there's room for overlap. So um, the classical guitar uses the great range of color uh, to imply things that don't exist, the lack of volume, the lack of uh, projection and sustain, and indeed the lack of good repertoire. Um, and the electric guitar manifests these uh, musical ideas. You can literally just add these pedals and amplifiers and objects and dial up the volume to yeah. um, 11. Yes, yes. And and you have done, um, I mean, notably that, that was, I, I wasn't at the concert, but earlier this year, this George Lent piece that you uh, delivered at the Wigmore Hall was about, it's about an hour long electronic piece. I mean, it got amazing reviews. Um, but that that seemed to be exactly what you're talking about is is doing something very jolting and unexpected. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people asked. Well, some people at least asked why um, I played that piece because it is really devastatingly loud, right? And it's hugely pained. I think it was written after the death of a close friend of his, yeah. and um, it really does sum up some sort of existential proto nihilist dread and it, it sometimes 
you know, sometimes I really don't want to play that music. But but at the same time, I, I just feel like, well, perhaps particularly now, you know, when the world is is burning. I mean, of course, now we're on the, the eve of the results of the American election. Yeah. Um, it seems madness to program something um, that isn't um, a primal scream. Sometimes it seems the only reaction to have. I was having a look at your, uh, just, just about that, and there's a quote, I think it's from you, or was it from George Lenter, a mammoth evocation of a crisis of faith, his piece. Mm, well, uh, I didn't say that, but some people, he didn't yeah. say that. Someone said that, <laughs> but it sounds, it sounds about right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and your your disc a couple of years ago, Soft Loud, or Soft Loud, if we say it like that, <laughs> the way it's written, um, is a great uh, kind of listening experience, not uh, not just um, in and of the repertoire itself, which is the first half, which as you say, these sort of quite gentle, relatively gentle pieces, which are these Scottish uh, tunes from, from manuscripts, like the Weems manuscript. Did, did you transcribe those yourself? Yeah, so they were your own arrangements. Some of them were already transcribed, but I think, uh, you know, some of them are uh, more structures that are one is expected to extemporize upon. So um, there were cases where I was transcribing uh, myself, but there were also cases where uh, stuff was sort of preformed, but not quite in the form that I wanted it to take. So it's sort of a, a mixture of, of transcription and arrangement and mm-hmm. uh, addition. Yes, and then and then later on in the... In the um in the disc there's other arrangements very very different arrangements there aren't many people probably who've arranged bagpipes for guitar and the, but that's what the, constitutes those three tracks uh, towards the end of the disc um, this piece by Julia Wolf that, that right, you've arranged exactly, yeah. yeah fantastic um, sort of lengthy and louder and then a really loud one at the end killer um, which is again sort of seems in the more of the George Lentz um, mold and I think I, I I was listening to it a lot recently and I I wrote to you just to sort of say oh, I think I think this is great and genuinely meant that and also the fact that when it was yeah. reviewed somebody suggested you listen to it backwards so you sort of work backwards through the century as it were and then and then reduces or distills or something into these Scottish pieces which I thought was an, uh, yeah an interesting, interesting way yeah. yeah that kind of adventurous programming I find very um, gratifying when when someone's doing something a bit different, and that seems to be something that you strive for is is to juxtapose things that haven't been juxtaposed before and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I just I want to create things that I'm happy with, mm. um, and um, I think I am very happy with that with that program, uh, and I want things to be in some way rooted in, in contemporary life. And that was very much a response to, you know, the initial election of Trump and the Brexit vote and all this kind of uh, narratives that are missing and narratives that are over-present. Um, and, um, and and also, you know, like, I'm just, I, I'm a bit eccentric. I'm a little bit mad. Like, like, I can't help it. So these things come across as, like, a little bit mad because, like, I, I really... I'm sorry, it's just me. It's essential, I think, <laughs> it's, um, to have, well, for, for you to express what you need to express, but also to have that, um, have that variety in, within the classical music or other music world, because otherwise things can get a wee bit safe, can't they? Right. No, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think, um, you know, how much more perfectly in tune do I need to hear the violin played or how much faster do I need to hear it played I, I, I really I think personally I'm I'm 
I, I don't care about that anymore. You know, I want to hear it played worse than ever before. I want to hear, you know, um, <laughs> I want to hear Patrizia Kompanchiskaya's ideas of like what Vivaldi would sound like now when she's screaming and playing a wind machine and playing the concerto twice as fast as it really should be played. You know, that's what I that's what I want to hear. Um, I don't think I want to hear everybody do that all the time, but yeah. um, somebody somebody needs to be. Um, doing the outrageous things yeah. if only to inspire the others to think a little bit more outside the box i was um reading this um book yesterday um called uh the notation is not the music i think um do you know this it's uh bartold no. kaiken it's one of the kaiken brothers um he was the traverso player right whereas was Vieland was the gamba player right so uh, just Dutch early musicians who sort of, um, in a way, established um, part of the Dutch tradition of early music, but were also um, not the kind of characters that you would think of as being a part of that initial dogmatic mm. um, early musician um, way of thinking. They were, in fact, uh, very much free thinkers. Um, and he writes, um, in today's historically informed performance practice, should we try to follow the good or the bad example? Good and bad are both in quotation marks. And good or bad according to whose taste? Do we want a historically correct orchestra playing out of tune and not together only because it has been described that such orchestras existed? Or was this chaos part of the excitement and fire that were frequently associated with Italian music? And are we robbing this music of one of its essential qualities by over-polishing it when we try to avoid such excesses, at least excesses for our modern years? Mm. I can only suggest that we experiment. And I think... Um, that's interesting. I think he's right. He follows, uh, he ends it rather with um, sticking to received tradition might feel safer to the performers and will likely not disturb their audiences, but it feels like a missed opportunity. Yes. Now that, that is interesting because I, that, that freedom and desire to experiment um, seems to be perhaps one of the reasons why, why people who are drawn to very early repertoire are also drawn to very contemporary repertoire, which seems to be the case with, with you. Um, that there that there is that sort of attraction to expansion and to the non-mainstream somehow. Yeah, yeah. I think you're probably you're probably right. I mean, I'm sure that applies to a lot of people. I'm, mm. I, I I do think that largely, for me, it's just that I think a lot of the music written for the guitar, uh, originally for the guitar, from the classical through to pretty much the end of the 1800s mm -hmm. is just not very interesting so that's why I don't play <laughs> it's more Fair like, enough. <laughs> you know uh, working out what to play because you don't yeah yeah right exactly um and then I guess in the 20th yeah. century along came Julian Bream exactly Bream yeah. building on what Segovia did before him and um yeah exactly I mean somebody it's it's impossible to overstate his ambitiousness and fearlessness have you have you played perhaps pretty much everything that he that he commissioned i mean there is a lot because of him isn't there I mean, including the, your dreams and fancies disc had a fair chunk of it on on that um but there's other repertoire isn't there presumably there's a huge amount isn't yeah. there i think the stuff that i really haven't explored of bream enough um and this is largely down to orchestral programming um issues is uh the other guitar concertos so i think i played malcolm arnold's guitar concerto which is a fine piece of work once um and i haven't played the barclay concerto which um I think stands out among Barclay's music as being really quite an exceptional piece. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot more to explore as well, but, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. It's such a, it's such a, 
Of course, he was old, right? But when he, the day he died was, was quite a, a sad moment, mm. you know? Um, I, I never heard him in his prime, but uh, I can't remember not being aware of his, uh, aware of his um, presence, um, I think. I mean, every, every, every guitarist who came after him must, must feel that too and, and have had that kind of experience with him. And you did meet, you did meet him, didn't you? Yeah, once yeah. or twice, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he sent me letters, which mm. uh, are uh, are uh, <laughs> well. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Um, I mean, we we heard you play Britain's beautiful piece that that Bream commissioned the, the Nocturnal, which is um, one of the greats, I think. Uh, and I mean, I would say that, I guess, given where I work, but I think genuinely it's a very, it's a very fine piece. Yeah, um, I think everybody would agree with you there. Yeah. It really stands out among his commissioning um, yeah. opus as, as pretty amazing. In terms of performance style, I mean, you mentioned there that you're, you're eccentric and doing different things, which is, which is evidently true. I mean, the, the George Lentz piece in the big pink jumpsuit um, mm-hmm was quite a quite a moment what what's your view on the kind of the whole of it so the performance style is just you on the stage on the whole unless you're doing a concerto or a duet um in terms of style so in terms of the clothes you wear and your the the whole kind of performance is that is that big part of it for you the theatrics of it um i i think it could be i mean i i i mean Currently, no, not really. But um, I'm not against it becoming more theatrical. I mean, you know, theatrical maybe is not the right word, but, um, you know, more of a a show or something Mm. in which the aesthetics are influenced by and influence um, everything else that is going on. Mm. Um, There's a a great theatre group, a physical theatre group called Peeping Tom, um, who work with this quite well. They... Um, can flow from techno into um, Mahler through the prism of uh, some some piece of you know, a narrative drawn essentially by physical theatre. Um, I think they're a Flemish group, um, mm. and they they work quite a bit with musicians. It's it's really fantastic. Uh, so I'd recommend checking them out. Um, yeah. But as for you know the jumpsuit and like the clothes I wear and stuff, it's more just that look. I mean, if you're playing electric guitar and it's essentially like shredding um and spitting acid for like an hour it just it doesn't seem like white tie is going to cut it there does it so like you know what I mean? That's all. no I, I i can see that um and I, I was also struck by something that a reviewer wrote of you that uh they called your your nonchalant virtuosity <laughs> which is two words well, that aren't often put together i don't think i don't know what that it's means one or the sure. other yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. virtuosity is sort of hard wine and yeah. and you know full of sweat and blood and tears whereas nonchalant so i thought that was quite interesting but <laughs> yeah well look lucy i'll take what i can get fair enough um do you have plans for what's next i mean regardless of you know this horrendous new lockdown again but but what's Right. What would you like to do next? So, well, in the cu- next couple of months, um, I'm, f- I'm finishing off my first CD for uh, a label called Pentatone. So hmm. um, I've begun a, a new sort of recording partnership with them, uh, which I think is very exciting. Um, I am going to be recording a little bit with Emma Nikolovska also, who's a BBC New Generation artist, which I'm 
also super excited about. She mm-hmm. um, and I are working on some of the Orlando Lieder by uh, Detlev Glanert, which are really pretty pretty well written songs to be honest i mean um i mean <laughs> i mean okay they're really good songs actually but you know sometimes when you when you basically the guitar is a pretty scary instrument to write for and a lot of composers don't do it well and um right. even pretty well established composers and i can think of like some composers who wrote for julian bream for instance who wrote songs that were not super well constructed but this is really good songwriting mm-hmm. um and it's it's literally a joy to play and a joy to put together um excellent text setting so really looking forward to that um and uh probably a bit more uh, guitar and electronic stuff Great. um as of next year i want to do a program that is going to uh, link various ideas of the trinity and crucifixes together um mm-hmm. so uh, the prelude fugue allegro by bach which references uh, the holy trinity and the crucifix form in its in its own form the outer two movements being half the length of the central movement uh followed by uh, calvario by um by the Lebanese composer Zad Multaka mm-hmm. which uh, traces the falls of Christ on his journey up to the mount um, and various other things that range from uh, the sublime of uh, Vincenzo Galilei, the lute, uh, lutenist who was the father of Galileo Galilei, um, to uh, Brett Dean's um, Capriccios after Goya, which are these nightmarish um, and sometimes quite uh, cynical um, in that uh, the, the material from which he's coming, right, the Goya's own own little uh, portraits are, are that cynical and uh, pointed criticisms of the church. Um, but extremely well written on Brett Dean's end um, for the guitar. Uh, those will be there as well. Yeah. Is that is that a commission, the Brett Dean? No, he wrote right. it a while ago. No, right. yeah, okay. I, I wish I'd commissioned Brett Dean, mm. but uh, 2004, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe a little piece by Tom Edders as well, which mm. uh, has not been performed much. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, yeah. like, I just hope the gigs continue. Um, yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's just thoroughly depressing, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yes, it is. Well, I very much hope, yes, you'll be continuing to, to do all those extraordinary sounding projects. Um, but I wanted just to ask you about your, your what you've been listening to lately. Um, so I've been listening to um, a couple of things that... Uh, that I've I've not been able to get off my Spotify. So um, I think, firstly, I'd say uh, Okagem, mm. uh, his choral music, uh, but specifically um, by a group called Grand de la Voix. It's really fantastically sung. Um, and I think, from what I gather, uh, the thrust of this album is that a lot of choral music of this period was not sung um at the pitch that we think it was sung it was in fact sung much lower so they're singing it at the pitch that they um hypothesize it was originally sung at in acoustics that are much more generous um and it's really wild Mm -hmm. untamed stuff uh they've put a couple of singers in the choir who were trained in more popular traditions um and it doesn't sound at all classical Mm -hmm. it sounds um in really believable uh, a way that that you think it could have been sung so um, wow. it's been an amazing discovery and I think particularly as we head into not only a lockdown but uh, a lockdown that uh, has a lot of darkness ahead of us uh, yeah. 
you know, in terms of the, the daylight hours, it's very unlike the first lockdown where we were moving towards summer. Um, it feels very epic and suffering, mm -hmm. and but also redemptive, you know, and I think those are all qualities that I don't mind having right now. No, indeed. Um, so that Great. how many how many should i recommend three two three what, two or three what yeah do it two or three yeah um okay also uh, i've been listening to intabulations of choral music um by Josquin de prez uh and it's the lutenist um who also plays the vihuela on this album jacob herringman mm -hmm. um who's based in north yorkshire i think um and it's very sweet playing um and uh just as you know, a sort of um, artistic statement. Um, I think it's well worth listening. It's mm. it's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. Um, so there's Great. that. Lovely. Um, and oh my god, yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> I've been listening to something really bad. And it cracks me up so much. Um, it's a singer called Louis Fury. Uh huh. Um, probably not heard of him because he's most famous for releasing albums of uh, his own composition in the 1970s he was basically a pop singer okay. um and he's singing brahms songs which are translated into english and the album is called haunted by brahms and what? Uh, <laughs> uh, no lucy i'm going to send you a link to this it just it will it will crack you up um okay i don't know really what to expect from this that sounds extraordinary um you'll be reduced to tears. Is it like classical Barbara, when Barbara Streisand did a classical album? Is it along those lines? I promise you it's way, way worse. Okay, okay, I am braced for that. Wow. Yeah, um, I popped it in an email and sent it to you now. Thank so. you very much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that's quite the range of recommendations. <laughs> um, actually, the Okagum sounds like it, it's fulfilling the ideal of what you were talking about earlier, which is... Um, breaking things up a bit and not going for a kind of uh, silky perfection in performance. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think, you know, any good rendition of, of anything should break things up a bit. And sometimes it can do that by being really, really um, beautiful. But I think, I think at its core, uh, no matter how vanilla some programming might seem initially, um, all great art is still radical art. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think on that note, I'm just going to add a couple um, of choices for myself, if that's all right, for the, mm -hmm. the playlist as well. So one is great. just, I'm going to be, yeah, this is going to sound a bit creepy, but I am going to choose one from your um, Soft Loud, just because I really hey, like it. thanks. But it's killer, because I just think, you know, it's, it's, it's loud and people um, might need to play some loud music in the next couple of days for whatever reason that might be um so let's have that uh but then to mellow out with is ella fitzgerald's um one for my baby because it just came up on a playlist earlier i was listening to and it's it's extremely calming so we'll have those two and this playlist is getting even more eccentric and eclectic and it's great where can i access this playlist if, playlist if i want to um check it out How you can I... check it out um it's on the it's on britainpeers.org and then okay. you, you go britain's music about and then your podcast should be in there somewhere and we've got a playlist for this season of podcasts and the previous one as well and there's all kinds of interesting stuff in it um brilliant thank you so much sean it's been really fun to talk to you hey you know thanks um, for having me and um and good luck i really yeah i really hope that that there's there's light at the end of this 
um, which there will be, and that we see you performing again before too long. So do I. Thanks, Lucy. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>